As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You are now entering the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, a show that uncovers what's fact, what's fake, and what's fun in the crazy world of pseudo archaeology. Hello and welcome to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, episode 105. I am your host, Dr. Andrew Kinkella, and tonight, on a special edition of the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, I review Ancient Apocalypse and its host, Graham, don't call me a pseudo archaeologist, Hancock. So, here we are debasing ourselves with ancient apocalypse. How far we have fallen on this show, my friends. But we got to do this one, huh? This one's getting a lot of traction. And man, it's keeping me employed in this podcast for I'm guessing the next six months or so. So why? what is this? Why do we care about Graham Hancock's ancient apocalypse? Okay. Well, it's a Netflix show. It just came out. Again, we're, we're recording this in late November, early December 2022. And it's eight episodes long. Each episode is about 30 minutes each. It is the number one show on Netflix. So love it or hate it, it's really popular. And the show is, oh, listeners, it is a classic smorgasbord of the best of the best. And by best, I mean worst that pseudo-archaeology has to offer. There is an overarching story in it. Basically, Graham Hancock is there to tell you that there was a super civilization that used to exist before the Ice Age, right? Much more technologically advanced than anything that we can imagine. And at the end of the Ice Age, it fell apart through some sort of catastrophe. So at around 13,000 years, something horrific happened, obliterating this great civilization from Earth and leaving only bits and pieces of it that all current civilizations sprung from, right? All civilizations as we know it sprung from the leftover tendrils of this long vanquished super civilization. Now, sounds kind of fun to watch, you know, and let's face it, it is a bit fun to watch. But 
It's totally fake. It's like bursting with fraud. It's just so wrong that the shorter list is really the true parts to it. I mean, you know, on a scale of one to ten, it ranks as abysmal. So why the big whoop? You know, again, it's getting a lot of traction, a lot of stuff in the news about it. You know why you would think it's just the same old ancient aliens crap. Like, who cares? All right. We care because so many people are taking this seriously. Now, Graham Hancock has been doing this stuff for years, for decades, right? This guy's been doing this stuff since the early 90s, at least. I think he was probably doing this stuff in the 80s. He's one of the darlings of Joe Rogan. You will see him more recently, obviously, on Joe Rogan's podcast. But he's published a bunch of his lame books that he's done for Decades now, uh, fingerprints of the gods. Actually, wait, let me say that correctly. Fingerprints of the gods. Which is probably his most well-known one. And they're all the same. I mean, those of us who have a secret love for pseudo-archaeology, it's the same old stories you heard a hundred times, man. You know, just repackage. What's hilarious is there's Certain pseudo archaeology examples that I've already covered on this podcast that Graham Hancock goes over anew, you know, as if it's a startling new revelation. It's just old, you know, like, I mean, man, you guys who are into this stuff, if you watch Ancient Apocalypse, there will be certain segments where you will audibly go, boo. And have to throw something at the screen because it's you heard this all before. But again, you know, it seems like it wouldn't be that big of a deal. It's like, OK, just another Graham Hancock production, whatever. Who cares? Well, it's kind of up to a new level now because Graham Hancock is like actively bashing archaeologists. Now, he always did. This is part of his scam. So let's look at his scam. His scam, the way he does this, is you can actually watch the first 30 seconds of the first show of Ancient Apocalypse and get the scam. In the first 30 seconds, there's a bunch of quick clips where you see Graham Hancock again and again talking about how archaeologists hate him. About how he's enemy number one. He talks about archaeologists as so-called experts, right? We're so-called experts. And he says of archaeology, you know, and of archaeologists that we are, quote, defensive, arrogant, patronizing, you know, people who you want to bring home to mom. So it's over the top, right? And then he very quickly distances himself. He says, you know, I'm not an archaeologist, right? So he can use that dichotomy, right? He can be like, it's us versus them. And if you're watching the show, you want to be with Graham. So you're the us. And them is the narrow-minded, close-minded archaeologists who are out to get him. Now, the reality is we don't give a damn about Graham Hancock. When I was finishing my dissertation, I wasn't like, well, I'm almost finished. But what would Graham Hancock say? Right? 
We don't care. And and we're just as tired of it as any older listeners of Graham Hancock, because we have just heard it all before. But there is a method to his madness, right? Because with this false equivalency he he creates, right? Us versus us versus them, some sort of 50-50 environment, it gives his dopey ideas fake weight, right? As if they're equal somehow to ours, as if there's some sort of back and forth in this scam. But of course, there's not. We're 100% right, and he's 0% right. It's not 50-50. It's not 60-40. It's 100-0. But the argument works really well. You might have seen this argument if you're a fan of psychology. It's like a narcissistic argument. So I'm not saying Graham Hancock is a narcissist or not, but the argument is not narcissistic. So how you do this is you basically, uh, if I'm Graham Hancock, I attack the archaeologists, right? I attack them a bunch of times. The first 30 seconds of the show does the whole thing. You attack, 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 attack. And then when the archaeologists defend, Graham Hancock flips the script and go, How's, how dare you attack me? You know, as soon as you respond. See how that works, Right. You're not the aggressor. The archaeologist is not the aggressor. Again, we don't care. But Graham Hancock sets the stage by saying things like, oh, they hate me. No. But he needs that to make the false equivalency work, right? That's the scam. And it totally works. You know, you guys, as I've been dealing with this ancient apocalypse stuff, and I'll talk more later about how I have personally been dealing with a lot of this. It reminds me so much of the creationism debates that I used to have to deal with. I have to say, like, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 15 at this point, I used to have to deal with the creationist debate thing all the time. And then it kind of went away. And I think that the Graham Hancock thing is kind of a repackaging of some of the creationist stuff. Now, what is the creationism debate? This is the reading of the Bible where you read it literally and you say that the earth is 6,000 years old, right? The earth was created by God and it's 6,000 years old. And of course, that's ludicrous. But creationists do that same scam where they go, what, you won't debate us? It's, you know, making this 50-50 world. Well, it could be that the Earth is 4.6 billion years old, or it could be that the Earth is 6,000 years old, and you're just not looking at the evidence, close-minded archaeologists. See what I'm saying? It's the same crap. It's the same ball game, man. And we do hear that Graham Hancock wants to debate or should debate an archaeologist, would I do it? Hell yeah. But I don't think it would come out very well. And the reason why I think that is if you look back to some of the creationist stuff, if you look back to the debates they had, like there was this creationist named Ken Ham. He's an Australian creationist. Some of you guys might have might have heard of this guy before or can remember him by the Australian accent. He debated Bill Nye, the science guy. And it wasn't that fun. 
you know, because it's it's intrinsically stupid. So what you really get is the two camps just maintaining their two camps. Nobody's mind gets changed. You know, nothing changes. It's just a show for show's sake. So don't think that some magical debate with Graham Hancock and archaeologist A will do anything. You know, it just won't. So that just leaves people like me to defend archaeology from this kind of stuff. Right. And again, you can still think, well, why would you really care? It's because the general public is being so misled by this stuff and they're being totally taken advantage of because the general public is really interested in this stuff. Right. It's interesting. You know, I think it's interesting. You think it's interesting. Graham Hancock thinks it's interesting. But the general public gets fed this just lame BS story that he's been hawking for 30 years, you know. And the other thing that I really don't like that I think in a way is almost worse than all the pseudo archaeology crap that Graham Hancock does, because honestly, huge portions of ancient apocalypse, if you watch it, you'll see right through it. Like there's a fun factor in just watching that, you know, because it's just so lame. So that aspect of it, again, I don't think that is as ruinous to the general public as the anti-intellectualism vibe that goes underneath this, right? The idea that mainstream academics are not to be trusted, right? They are narrow-minded. What do they know? Because they're just carbon copies of those who came before, and they won't just open their eyes to the quote unquote evidence, right? And I've really seen this wave of anti-intellectualism in archaeology specifically take off with this show and just take flight. And that's the worst part. When we come back, some examples of pseudo-archaeology to the max in Graham, I'm a total pseudo-archaeologist, Hancock's Ancient Apocalypse. All right, welcome back to the Pseudo-Archaeology Podcast, episode 105, and we are discussing Graham Hancock's Netflix special among specials, Ancient Apocalypse. So, I think with this segment, let's talk a little about some of the examples, right? Some of the specific bits and pieces of Ancient Apocalypse. Now, I am not going to go over each bit of the eight episodes and tell you frame by frame what's wrong because that would take me 46 months and I just don't have that kind of time. Although I'd make it for you because I like you guys. But I can't. So I thought I would just pull some real common examples you might have heard about before, some kind of old school classics in the worst sense of the term. Before that, I thought I'd touch on some of the tricks of the trade that you're going to see from episode one onward. First, it does suck you in nice and slow. I would say that the first two episodes are pretty mild, actually. That's not to say that that not full of BS and incorrect things and fabrications and, you know, but 
the first two episodes, you can just kind of cruise by and go, well, yeah, okay, whatever. But episode three and onward is where he really starts going for it. So he turns up the heat. And by that, he, I mean that he gets more and more out there, right? His common trick is he will start with something that is scientifically valid. And he will also make it sound, it's always something that sounds super science-y, right? It's something that has some sort of ring to it of academia. Like he'll talk about things like the younger Dryas, right? That sounds science-y. He's not going to say the Ice Age when he can say the younger Dryas. So he accuses academics of being so closeted into their academic towers. But at the same time, he uses the tricks that he accuses us of using. Oh, and by the way, he also totally dresses like a college professor. I mean, look at a picture of him. You know, that is the most intentional thing ever, right? He has the glasses, the unkempt hair, buttoned down shirt, British accent. He looks and seems way more like a professor than I do, right? It's very calculated and it works on, on people who are not suspecting, right? So not only does he use sciencey words, he also will use technology, like real technology, on total fakery. That's really common. Like if I say I live in a two-story house, and you drive by my house and you go, dude, I saw your house. This is a one story house. Then I go, wait, wait, wait. I just used some LIDAR technology to show you that it is indeed two stories. You see, it's always like this throwing of technology where, where you really don't need it or where it really doesn't do anything. But just because the technology is there, I mean, they do this a ton with ground penetrating radar early on in the shows. Now, ground penetrating radar isn't nearly as cool as it sounds, <laughs> but they know that and they're going to use it with the idea of like, uh, we're just going to roll this ground penetrating radar over. We're going to see everything under the ground. You know, that's not how it works. But you see this kind of again and again. Another old, good old trope that they'll use is alignments. Alignments everywhere. Everything is aligned, you know, and alignments are some of the cheesiest data in all of archaeology. Even when alignments are real, they're very hard to prove. Even the best ones. Like I've seen one or two, I've seen a handful in my life where I'm like, okay, this is real. And obviously something like Stonehenge, you're like, okay, yeah. But Pseudo-archaeologists take that alignment thing to like stupid heights because you can really align. If you have two things, you can kind of align them to anything, if that makes sense. If you if you have some if you want to if, if you have something you want to align to the sun, you can basically just move yourself to a certain spot and align it to the sun, you know. But looking at specifics, I'd like to look at episode four. Episode four is where Graham Hancock dives into Atlantis. Huh? He dives into Atlantis. Oh, yeah. And he's proving Atlantis now to his sneaky credit. He doesn't say the term Atlantis that much. He tends to go with like big civilization covered by the waves at about 10,000 BC. Right. Because maybe 
I guess maybe he's thinking that Atlantis is so tired that maybe it'll just ruin his show. But really, he's saying that Atlantis is that ancient civilization from 13,000 years ago that was covered by the waves in a great catastrophe. To prove Atlantis, he first pulls out the Bimini Road. And you guys, when he started talking about the Bimini Road, this was a moment where I audibly sitting on my couch went, boo, because it's so freaking lame. The Bimini Road, you guys have heard this. It's a bunch of square stones in the Bahamas, right? And the Bahamas are in the northern hemisphere. Not the it, it, well, yes, they're in the northern hemisphere. By meant they're in North America. You know, a bit of a jaunt away from Europe and those places where Plato originally came up with Atlantis. Anyway, these square stones that are in—they're shallow. They're in like twenty feet of water or something like this. Right off the coast of one of the islands in, in the Bahamas, they are natural geological formations. This stupid ass Bimini Road thing has been debunked and debunked and debunked again. Like, it's so lame. And when I saw that Graham was actually using the Bimini Road, I'm like, good Christ, man. Get a new show. You know, good Lord. You guys have seen this, the squarish stones that kind of look like pillow stones. It's a natural geological formation. The end. It's a perfect example of 100% 0%. I am 100% right. He is 0% right. Not 20%, not 40%. The stupid Bimini Road thing is just a false story that has been disproven for decades. And this is one that supporters of Graham Hancock, they'll be like, you need to disprove that. You need to show us the evidence. I'm like, no, I don't been done a hundred times to death you know but exactly like creationists they never accept whatever data you have so there really there is no way of arguing somebody out of a religious movement and basically that's what graham hancock has he has religious followers so just to add insult to injury he does the stupid Bimini Road thing. And then he busts out an old school classic. Oh, it's like a fine wine, you guys. Let's just open the cork and smell this one. The Peary Rees map. Now, old time listeners of my show, meaning like four months ago or so, I did the Peary Rees map, right? In episode 101. I'll put a link below. So I went into a deep dive on the Peary Rees map. And that is a real map. That was drawn in, I believe it's 1513. Don't quote me, but it's right in there. And it's two thirds of it are gone. Only, there's only like one third remaining. But the one third is of the Atlantic Ocean. And you can see Africa and a bit of Europe. And you can see North and South America. Now, this is another one that's been debunked 150,000 times, right? The idea about the Peary Rees map is that explorers of that time found lands that are no longer around because there's like miscellaneous squares and stuff on on that map that are nothing the coast of south america curves down and around the bottom of the entire map because they ran out of paper so they just drew it around the bottom so a lot of pseudo-archaeologists talk talk about how that's ancient explorers going to antarctica but it's not it's obviously south america curved around and you got to think they're making this map 
while they're in a boat that's moving. You know, so it's not going to be the world's most perfect map, but it's better than nothing. Good for them. Good for Piri Reese in 1513. But it ain't perfect. I don't want to do my navigation of the Atlantic these days with the Piri Reese map because it's way off. And also, they just kind of fill in the blanks with like, oh, well, there's probably an island there. And you can tell that there's some totally just sort of faked islands. Again, I, I, nothing against Piri Reese, but he just drew some stuff because he's like, we never got over there. So we're just kind of guessing. And they're obviously like square. You know, they're not even they don't look natural. But Graham Hancock is is arguing that one of the islands on the Piri Reese map is Atlantis and it has some little kind of angular scribbles on it. And he's like, and that's the Bimini Road. Oh, Lord. I had an aneurysm when I watched that. Like I was watching then I'm like, I can't feel the right hand side of my body. You guys, it was so dumb. But that's what you're getting out of this, right? So those are two examples, specific ones that have just been long debunked. And there's like 40 more of those, you know, as you go through the episodes. And obviously, I'm not going to waste our time on that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not because we just don't need to. And of course, if I'm going to be talking about that stuff for people who don't believe it, it really is a waste of time because no matter how much hard evidence I give, they're just going to deny it. You know, that's true. Now, something else that comes up as we go through the episodes and what others have brought up is the racist aspects of what Graham Hancock does. Now, I'm not here to say that Graham Hancock is a racist personally. I don't think he is. You know, that's that's probably stretching that too far. But the ideas he talks about are very racist. A lot of this stuff comes from the 19th century. You've seen it through Eric von Deineken. Again, Graham Hancock is the heir apparent to Eric von Deineken. He's the new Eric von Deineken. And these 19th century ideas are basically like, hey, when we go to these new places and we find a bunch of big pyramids, an ancient race unknown to the world must have made them because the people who are already here couldn't have made that because they're not as good as us. You know, obviously overtly racist. Now, it's tamped down a little you know, for a modern audience, but it's still obviously there. So many of the episodes are like, well, the native savages were lived there in disarray. But then a great superhuman came from across the waves and organized them and gave them civilization. And that's just man, you know. That's pretty racist, pretty high on the racist scale. I mean, come on, man. You know, but to deny that and just go, hey, yeah, it was the local people who always lived here who made this stuff. It denies the whole thing, right? It destroys the entire setup. It it, it destroys the entire idea that there's a super civilization that spread out. (laughs) So they have to keep see their trap. They're trapped in in the idea and they have to hold on with the racism and everything because without it, they're lost. Now, even though that sounds pretty bad, and it is, I'm going to throw good old Graham Hancock a little bit of a bone right here. 
Here's a few things that the show does well. Okay, here's a few, here's a few things that that I think it is successful in. First, the 30 minute setup of each episode being 30 minutes. I think that's great. I think an hour would have been way too long. And because of that, I think the show moves. You know, I think it keeps its energy as you go onward. So you don't get bored. You know, you move along. It's it's paced well. I think the overall production values are really good. The visuals are great. They use drone flyovers on some of these sites and they do make the archaeology sites themselves look really good. So got to give them that. And I will say, even though Graham Hancock has been full of it for over 30 years, the dude is a good narrator. He is a dynamic narrator. He really is. Yeah, give credit where credit is due. I will also say the soundtrack, you guys, I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack is super overwrought. And that's great. It means like whenever Graham makes a point, right, he'll be like, and that's why the Egyptian pyramids are there. You know, I want that to happen when I talk about something. So anyway, you guys, there I was in the Maya jungle. Right. I think it I think it works. I think it works. I think that his focus on the Ice Age, even though everything he says about it is like silly, it is super hard to make the Ice Age romantic and cool. And I think he does it. I, I mean, he makes the younger Dryas sound cool. That's hard. The younger Dryas. I mean, that sounds like the most boring thing in archaeology. And he makes it seem like something you want to hear about. He does a good job on focusing on certain things of the archaeological past that aren't necessarily like the shiniest stuff, you know, just like some of the sites he talks about are just kind of normal. You know, they're not super huge, so that can be hard to do. He does that. And he does do some really good titles, you know, like uh, episode two is called Survivor in a Time of Chaos. Hey, I'll watch Survivor in a Time of Chaos, right? I will also say in in talking about the good, I'll also check this out. I'm going to give them another bone and say that some of the critiques on archaeologists are land a little bit. I do think that some archaeologists can be aloof, can be a little patronizing, can be cut off from the general public. Not nearly to the degree that Graham Hancock says, but that is something that we could definitely improve. Our public outreach is sometimes really lacking. So uh, that's a note that we can take. Uh, I also notice that I do think that some in archaeology have overreacted a little bit to this show, not to the content and stuff, because it is all just stupid. Right. But I think. When we say things like don't watch it or make sure to turn it off or you know, this, this kind of thing, when when we immediately say you can't watch this show, what do you think is going to happen? You know, if you turn to me and you go, hey, Kinkella, whatever you do, don't look over there. I'm going to look over there, you know, and if you talk about, oh, I would just never watch. Ancient apocalypse. Well, you know, okay. 
To me personally, should you watch Ancient Apocalypse? Should you not watch Ancient Apocalypse? I don't care. You know, if you watch Ancient Apocalypse, that's okay. It doesn't make you an ogre. It it is completely full of fallacies and stuff. But, you know, I watched it. I watched the whole thing, you guys, so I could bring you this show. And I'm not here to tell you like, oh, look, I could watch it because, I mean, I have a PhD in archaeology and it protected me. But the rest of you, I'm sorry. You will not be protected. Right. I'm not here to say that. So I I do want to make sure that we as archaeologists, I think we add a little bit of of wood to the flame. You know, if we're like, oh, don't watch it. Eh. Watch it. Don't watch it. You know, watch half of it when we come back. What to do with Graham, the total pseudo archaeologist Hancock and his show Ancient Apocalypse. Hello and welcome back to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, episode 105. And we are wrapping up our thoughts and feelings on Graham Hancock's Ancient Apocalypse. Now, before I get to the very end, you guys, I got one more story for you. I myself, me, Dr. Andrew Kinkella, has played a tiny bit of a role in the public outcry over all of this. And let me explain. So as soon as Ancient Apocalypse came out, and again, I'm doing this, I'm doing this recording right at the beginning of December. So maybe it's been two weeks or something like that. There were archaeologists who immediately started to kind of hit back. And they were doing this by posting YouTube video reactions, writing articles, and so on, right? And my students were kind of asking me about it, and we were sort of joking about it. On a Saturday in the lab class, I teach an all day Saturday lab class. And they're like, oh, Kinkella, you should, uh, you know, you should do a video uh, talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. So the students were on a break. And so I went up to my office and I made a video on my YouTube channel on Kinkella Teaches Archaeology. Right. I made a, I made this video and I'm not going to spoil it for you because I want you guys to go watch it because it got some traction. I will say, I know this is shocking to my audience, but it's funny. So I made this video. It's only like four and a half minutes long. I just kind of knocked it out. I put, I put my cell phone up. I put it on record. I recorded this four and a half minute thing, put it in my computer, edited it barely, which I usually do. If any of you have seen my YouTube videos, right? They're very, very lightly edited. And then I uploaded it to my YouTube channel, right? It got over a thousand views in the first 24 hours. And I think it's because I put the total clickbait title on it of Graham Hancock is right. An archaeologist responds to Netflix's ancient apocalypse. Right. We're setting it up like I'm going to support him. And uh, I do in my own funny way. So anyway, I put this up and then the reactions, the comments, I started to get a ton of comments. Now, what was very interesting to me is the first uh, less than a day, let's say the first 18 hours, the comments were really 50-50. Like half of the comments went with me. They kind of went with the joke. They would add to the joke and kind of riff on the joke that I did. And I thought it was really fun, right? That was really fun and really funny. And I would write back. I tried to reply to just about everyone which has actually gotten pretty crazy. I think I'm going to have to stop. But anyway, I would you know, joke with them. And then the other half were pissed. And they were like, 
oh, what you're doing is just proving Graham Hancock's point, which, of course, Graham Hancock has set the stage with his narcissistic argument that feeds upon itself, you know, where he attacks. But then if I attack back, it's all me. I'm proving Graham Hancock's point that he's, oh, he's so attacked by archaeologists. I do also want to add that I think one thing that makes Graham Hancock look a bit bad is at the very beginning of the first episode when he talks about how all archaeologists hate him so much. He looks really whiny. So that part, I don't know. I guess it was a trade-off he had to make. But anyway, so I'm getting some good ones, some bad ones. But then just before 24 hours, you know, 18 hours in or so, the comments went really dark. I got a ton more of them, and they were all mad. And it stayed that way. And you guys, I have hundreds of comments now. I just checked. As of today, I'm six days. It was six days ago that I uploaded my video. So just about 4,600 views, 120 likes. There is a ton of comments on it. 274 comments, yeah. So to give you an idea, most of my videos usually do not go that big that fast. A typical one, a slow one would be like 100 views in a week or something. But so that one is skyrocketing up. But the angry ones, the angry ones are really harsh. You know, you're a moron. You're an idiot. Oh, and one I got a hundred times. You're unfunny. And you know what? If you get like a hundred comments saying you're unfunny, you're probably pretty funny. (laughs) You probably did something that stung a little bit. Oh, how unfunny. (laughs) So since I was ultimately in control and I ultimately uploaded the video, they don't really hurt my feelings. But I will say that when you just get a ton of negativity pushed your way, it does it does put a little weight on your shoulders. It's it's kind of weird. But I did experience I I, uh, experimented with them. With the things that I've been telling you guys, I did stuff like if they asked. Like, oh, so prove it. Prove how Graham Hancock is wrong. You can't, you moron, right? And I would just give one of those examples, like the one I gave you guys about the Bimini Road or Peter Reese or, you know, whatever. I'd pick one and just write up the description and be like, no, look, this is how he's wrong. They never went with it. They always be like, you don't know. What, what degree do you have? And of course, no matter what your degree is, no matter your background, they will always trash you. Right. They'll just go and go and go until you don't have whatever they want. They'll be like, oh, I'm sure you don't have a degree. I'll be like, yeah, actually, I do have a degree. Well, I'm sure it's only a master's. Actually, I do have a Ph.D. Well, I'm sure it's some lame school. Actually, it's from the University of California. Well, is it from UC Berkeley? No, it's from UC Riverside. Well, there you go. There you go. And you teach at a community college, too. See, there's always they're always looking to knock you down and they always will. Because that train ends somewhere, right? And it's just silly. And it's just, it's unfortunately a waste of everyone's time. So I do hope that other archaeologists learn from this. And they know that what I've learned is, if you want to be nice, you can explain it one time. You know, you can go, no, actually, the evidence is this. 98% of the time, they're not going to take it. And they're just going to double down on their ignorance. But you've done 
your due diligence. You know, you explained in a kind way. I'm always very open. I never make fun of anyone in that way. I've never downvoted a video in my life, you guys. I never put out that negative energy. I just don't. It's just, it's something that brings me no joy. And that's something else I notice in all this, that there's a lot of lonely people out there. I think a big thing I've learned is just how much loneliness is out there these days. And just people by themselves living alone or, or with people who maybe they're not close to just on the computer all the time, because I got people who replied like a bunch of times with super long, like paragraphs of stuff. And I'm like, when you see that, you're like, man, you had time to write this? Like, and the answer is, yeah, they did have time to write it, you know? And it's, it's really sad. And I, and I want to, I, I wish the best for those people, you know, and I, I hope that they can find human connection because that's what people need. And in a way, that's what Graham Hancock exploits, you know, that, that, that there's a lot of lonely people out there. They're, they're kind of rudderless and he gives them this BS crap show and they go, whoa, hey, man, the, the visuals are really great. and The soundtrack's awesome. This guy must know what he's talking about. I did notice a handful of people who really did want to know who wanted the real knowledge of stuff. And I did try again, even though my, my YouTube video was based in a joke, I tried to be serious with them and tell them, Hey, look, no, it's really this and try and recommend things for them. I, I will say most of the time they just slapped me anyways. You know, as soon as I did a nice thing, they still just like, you don't know you so-called archeologist. I got that so-called archeologist. I also got like so-called professor. <laughs> I'm so called. I mean, I do go there every day and have an office. <laughs> but unfortunately, I'm just a so-called professor. Oh, man. In terms of how I feel about Graham Hancock, I think the defense he uses of they hate me is a great defense, but it's intrinsically embarrassing, whiny, and lame. I think that he is what's funny is he tries to be so serious and look like he's aloof and above it all, but he's so open to ridicule, right? And it he needs to be ridiculed. That's why he sets it up like, don't ridicule me, stop attacking me. It's like, no, 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 no. He needs the full frontal assault. Archaeologists of the world, do not be worried about Graham Hancock. Hammer that fool. You know what I'm saying? I mean, is he seven? Come on. Let's talk as adults about this stuff, you know, and not get sucked down into these dumb arguments. Oh, no, the Earth is 6,000 years old. Oh, no, there was an incredibly complex society 13,000 years ago, and then the Ice Age uh, washed it all away. Oh, good God. You know, of course not. <laughs> That's my answer. Kinkella, what do you think? Of course not. <laughs> Oh, but I'm supposed to respect him, though. I'm supposed to respect Graham Hancock and his research. I got that one a lot. You need to respect his research. <laughs> you know, I would respect his research if he did any, but he doesn't. You know, I just happen to not respect a total fraud and con artist. I don't know. Maybe it's me. And with that, Graham... I'd like you to remember, 
that you're a pseudo archaeologist to the core and you will never shake that label of pseudo archaeologist because it's the only thing that's true about you. And with that, my friends, we're out of here. Thanks for listening to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast. Please like and subscribe wherever you like and subscribe. And if you have questions for me, Dr. Andrew Kinkella, feel free to reach out using the links below or go to my YouTube channel, Kinkella Teaches Archaeology. See you guys next time. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.